this, this is really a great description, toxic faith, of what we're talking about. Because we're talking about things that, um, that really do hurt people. They really do. And it's, it's, it's areas of faith, uh, you know, things that, that really start off kind of innocently. If you have the card, um, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but when you get time, read the whole paragraph on the back. Because it really does describe exactly what we're talking about here. I'm just going to read a, 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 the first part. Uh, cliche is defined as a phrase or opinion that is overused and betrays a lack of original thought. And while each of us is bombarded daily with cliches that are seemingly benign, cute, or nostalgic, few of us realize how poisonous these oft-repeated sayings, no matter how well-intentioned, can be. And this is, this is really kind of my heart and my view of this whole thing, and I'm very passionate about each one of these because I have seen how, because these particular beliefs may have started out in a, in a really well-intended type of manner, have ended up hurting people. People don't often think about that, that sometimes churches and, and, and particular areas of our faith can be abusive. Uh, there was a book out many years ago called uh, Churches That Abuse. And it was a very interesting book because it talked about how churches, in the name of righteousness sometimes, or in the name of being, you know, godly or whatever, uh, can end up abusing people, whether that be with rules or, you know, discipline or all kinds of other weird stuff that you, that you read about and, and see. So I wanted just to take a few of the beliefs that end up becoming toxic, that may have had some well-intentioned uh, truth in him in the beginning. And today we're going to talk, talk about worship is for Sundays in just a moment. But um, like next week, if God isn't blessing you, there must be sin in your life. How many times have you ever heard that? Well, there must be sin in your life, you know? Um, it's interesting. Is that true? We're going to talk about that next week. Um, or everything happens for a reason. You ever hear that? Everything happens for a reason. Well, doesn't it? Come back on the uh, 25th. We'll talk about that. On the 1st, real Christians, you ever, hear, you ever heard somebody say this? You get, just feel the presence of God. Just feel the presence of God, you know? Um, well, do real Christians feel the presence of God? And if they do, what does that mean? We'll talk about that on the 1st. Um, and then uh, on the uh, second Sunday of uh, February, the 8th, this one, I've heard this so many times, you just need to pray more. You just need to pray more. So we're talking about all those. Today, worship is for Sundays. Or worship, another way of saying it, worship is for church. Or worship is at church. You know, and this is really important. What we worship, the beliefs that we hold dear, um, are, are of most vital importance to us. I don't... I believe everything he has taught, but uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson has had said some amazing things, uh, 1800s, great, great writer from America, and, and he later on kind of got into some things that certainly I wouldn't agree with, but transcendental meditation, some things like that, but he, he really had some, some good writings, and, and one of the things that he said, I want to show you, was just it really is right on point to what we're talking about here this morning. Watch this. A person will worship something, have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will out. Funny, he uses that word in the 1800s. It will out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, watch this statement right here. Therefore, it behooves us 
to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. I tell you, that is just such a true statement. What we are worshiping, we are becoming. Whether that be you know, a materialistic, self-centered son of a gun, or whether that be something else, or someone else. You know, and that's, 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 the, that's the point here. Um, dictionary definition, very quickly, defines toxic this way, extremely harsh, malicious, or harmful. And of course, correlating that, uh, unfortunately, there are beliefs that can become very toxic. And, and, and that's this, the one we're talking about today is this one. Let me show you this. The purpose of this series, and I want you to get this, the purpose of this series will be to examine some of, the, some of these erroneous statements of faith, quote-unquote, that can cause harm in one's life. And while exposing the error to offer positive steps in recovering the biblical truth that may have been originally intended. I'm going to try to do that with each one of these to expose the error, but then also to give the positive side of this, what might have been met, or at least what can be meant in a way that will be positive from this particular thing. Voltaire said this, and I think it's an interesting thought as we, as we start this, this whole subject. Anyone who has the power to make you believe absurdities has the power to make you commit injustices. And I really like that thought a lot. Because how many times have you seen injustices committed in the name of God or in the name of the Bible or, forbid, God forbid, in the name of Christianity? Has that ever happened? Of course it has. So that's why this stuff is important. You know, that's why this isn't just for theology classrooms. You know, for people who, who have a, a bent and who just have a love for theology and the Bible. It's not just for us. Because it really does affect how we live, all of us, our beliefs, and so forth. And here's the thing about this particular belief in terms of worship is for Sundays, or, or we worship at church, however you want to say that. Um, the toxicity of this belief is that it cheats and that it misleads the sincere follower of Christ. And, and, and more importantly than that, even it misleads, it misleads the, mean, the meaningfulness and the richness of a relationship with Christ and what that means into this thing of, well, church, you know, worship is for, for Sunday or, or for church. I'll make a statement here, and I'm going to make this statement. Um, so that I'm not going to put it on the, on the screen because whenever I do that, and if it's, if it's a question about the grammar or the word, I usually hear about it. So here's what I did with this statement that I'm going to give you. I ran it by, I sent it, I emailed it to one of my grammar policemen, Okay policewoman, actually. She's an English teacher, okay, a very well-educated English teacher. And this passed muster with her. So if you don't like it, tough, all right? Here we go. When I talk about this whole thing of, of this whole thing of, of, you know, worship is for Sunday or worship is for the church or whatever, um, this is one of the major origins, this worship is for Sunday, or for church. This is one of the major origins of the non-thinking tendency and the shallowization of Christianity, okay? The shallowization of Christianity. I can use that word if I hyphenate it, I'm told. (laughs) So there. Um, 
And I couldn't, I mean, she says, what are you trying to do? My, my, my teacher friend says, what are you trying to do? Come up with another, another teeterism? I said, no. I said, I really want to communicate that this particular teaching has, has done an awful lot to really shallow lies, if that's the right word, Christianity, because it really has. That, that, that Sunday is for worship, or, or, or church is for worship. It's really made things, it's brought new depths to shallowdom, really, in, in, the, in Christian church, basically. Think about that one for a while. All right. Um, and here, here's the tendency. I want to show you what the Bible says. Before I do that, I want to show you, I show, I'm going to show you what happens with this, because what is the toxicity of this belief? What is it? What, what's so toxic about it? You know, one thing is it just causes separation. It just causes separation in a person's life. It causes you to divide, and it causes some dis- internal discrimination. This is church. This is work. This is my life. This is my home life. This is my, you know, my club life, whatever it happens to be. It starts causing that kind of, of discrimination, and, that kind, and, and that's, all, that's all wrong. The other thing it does is it just, it, it just causes a superficiality, I'll call it, that, that you get into crazy stuff then. You get into crazy stuff like, here's what happens with this. All right, let me start with the e- easier stuff. We'll move on into the deeper stuff. But it, 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 um, it causes stuff like people thinking only certain things can happen on Sunday, only certain things can happen at church. One of, the, one of the things that happens is people say, well, you know, we can only get married at church because this is something that happens before God. Now, that's a very common belief among many churches, of all kinds of churches. It's a commonly held belief. I didn't realize it. Uh, several years ago, um, excuse me, several years ago, uh, when I was at uh, the pastor in Vail, I was there for some of you know 18 years. Somebody came to me and they said they wanted a Christian ceremony, and they didn't go to our church. And I said that's okay. I've never been all you know crazy about that kind of stuff. I said, well, why do you you know why do you why don't you have your pastor marry you? They said, well, he won't marry anyone outside the church because this is a you know a holy thing we're doing. And this was in Vail where I was the pastor, and they said we wanted to get married on Vail Mountain. I said, and as a, a, that was early on. Later, I did many, many, many weddings on Vail Mountain in many different places, although it, it was one of those deals where they wanted to do the wedding. This is crazy. I've done it all over. And you, there's a lot of great places. If you know Vail, there's a lot of great places on Vail Mountain to do weddings. Easy to get to. Take a lift, walk over to it, whatever. They wanted to do a wedding in the back bowls of Vail, if you know the back bowls, which is powder. I mean, in, at the end, basically, of a double diamond, a double diamond ski thing. And I was like, they said, we're, we're going to be at such and such place, and that's where we want to have the wedding. And I said, sure. And so I, and I, I've skied enough, and I, I was okay, and I got there, and I'm like, just how many people did you think were going to make it to this wedding? <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> I'm okay, I'm here, I'm all we need, but it's, a whole lot of folks can't ski that, you know? And uh, anyway, it was just crazy. But, but, but the thing was, the, the pastor wouldn't marry them. Pastor or priest, I can't remember which. Um, wouldn't marry them in church. Wouldn't marry them outside of the church. I've run into that many times since, many times since. Now, now, let me ask you, think about that just for a moment. Now, what is this? Is this this thing of marriage between you and, and this other, you know, and, and, your, and your wife or husband? Is it between you and, and, and God and friends? Or is it, you know, the church? Well, it's between you and God. And your friends. And so you get into this, all kinds of crazy stuff. Then you get into, I've run into this a few times. Somebody wants to baptize or dedicate their baby. Well, we can only do that on Sunday in church. And I'm like, we had one here just two weeks ago. That's always an honor. I always, I always love doing it. It's just an honor to do them. But, you know, I've done some of those in people's homes. 
where they say, we're going to have it on a Friday night or a Saturday night and have all of our relatives and all of our, that are nearby and all of our friends and to have a baby dedication here in the house. And, and it's just great. But, but see, and again, some people say, well, you can't do that. You're outside the church. Well, where did that come from? It didn't come from the Bible. So you see what happens when you start the toxicity of this thing. But unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. It goes much deeper. Because all of a sudden we start doing that separation thing and, and all of a sudden we have, well, we have our church, our church behavior and our non-church behavior. Oh, we're going to go to church. We've got to put on the good face, man. You know, and you're in the car and you're fighting and you're mad at each other and everything else is going on and, and, you, cl- and you close the doors and you get out. Here we are at church. Hey, Rita, how you doing? You're doing, oh, we're doing good. God bless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what kind of crap is that? I mean, come on. Is that what God had in mind with this whole thing? So, so, so the whole issue here is we've got to really get some, I mean, we've got to think, but we really also need to think what, what does the Bible teach about this? Because the Bible's pretty clear. And when you start talking about people becoming divided, then, and then that's when lots of times hypocrisy will step in. And they become these conflicted individuals because they have one life here and one life here, maybe even a third life over here. And God never intended that. What does the Bible teach? It's pretty simple. It's in Romans chapter 12. This is just so good. Let's just read it. It's just so good. Just so good. Um, verse 1. I know I say that a lot, but I mean, you know, what, I, I teach the Bible. I love the Bible. I love teaching it. So it's just, and I really do believe it. It's my heart. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. You know, give your lives to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them, your body, your life, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This, watch, watch, watch this. This is truly the way to worship him. Whoa. He didn't think about church. He didn't think about Sunday. This is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God, I love this word. I know it sounds silly, but I love this word. Let God transform you. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's go back to that word, transform you. Let God transform you. Greek word, Greek word is pronounced roughly uh, metamorphosuth. It's always interesting pronouncing Greek words as a dead language. It's been dead language for a long time, so people will always come to you, oh, that's not how you pronounce that word. Oh, yeah, where did you hear it pronounced? It hadn't been, it hadn't been spoken in a few hundred years. Um, anyway, the, 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 the word really, the, the English word metamorphosis comes from this Greek word. <laughs> Truth is, that's how I learned English, by learning Greek. Um, and that's, um, I know that's arguable, but anyway. Uh, it's a Greek word that means, the uh, English word means metamorphosis. What is that? What's the definition of metamorphosis? A total change from the inside out. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's why I love this word. This whole concept. Because what he's talking about here is, listen, man, all this other stuff. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing what you do. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. By changing the way you think. Because that changes what you do. And that's really the, the root of what you do. There's a 
that's a, just a great trail. I mean, let me, this, the, the message paraphrase, I love using this paraphrase. It's not a good word-for-word paraf- uh, translation if you're, a, if you're a Bible scholar or student, but it's a good just to get the flow of the passage. And I don't always use it, but I will here because I think it's just so on point to what we're talking about here. Look, look how they, they use this in the message paraphrase. Same two verses. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's important, without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Well-formed maturity in you. Listen, worship is, is how you live your life. It's how you live your life. You say, well, isn't worship when we come together on Sunday and, and sing songs like we did? Yeah, that's worship too. Well, does that mean I have to go around when I worship and sing songs? You know, maybe you will. Maybe you'll be having your iPhone or your iPod on and, and you'll be listening to stuff and you're like, oh, and maybe some Christian songs that you can listen to and maybe, that'll, maybe that will happen. That's great if it does. That's not, it doesn't have to be. Worship is so many different aspects. So, so worship is how you live your life. Um, um, it's what we do all day long. It's how we treat people. It's how we treat each other. So that's how we value our family and how we treat those we love the most. Sometimes that's the biggest challenge, isn't it? You know, it's awareness of living our life in the presence of God because he's always there. And worship is really living our lives aware Try to be constantly aware. You're not always going to be, but you try to be constantly aware. God's right here with me. It's going to change some of the things that you do. Might change some of the things that you say. You know, it's, it's, an aware, you know, it, it's, it's how we use our resources. Worship is how we use our resources. No, I mean, it, it, and whether it's whether, you know, money. Uh, you, you mean, people say you, one passage in the Bible talks about, you know, worship when you give. Um, does that mean that when I write a check, a really, really, really big check to Renaissance Church, or a small one. That I, how am I, am I supposed to really worship? Yeah, you are. What does that mean? Does that mean I sing a song and write the check? You know, or we don't really do it. Pass the plate. And the reason we don't, the reason we don't pass an offering, but many reasons. But one of the reasons we don't pass an offering plate is, is simply because we don't want it to be a distraction. We don't want people thinking, oh, yeah, they're like every other church. They're just after money, and we don't want people giving who aren't bought into what we're doing. Frankly, I mean. We want you to give, don't misunderstand, but we want you to give for the right reasons. The Bible talks about that. To give for the right reasons. And, and when you write a check or you sign over that stock or whatever it is that you do and however it is you choose to give and are able to give, you do so with an attitude of, hey, Lord, oh, I hope you'll use, please use this because I believe in what they're doing. I, I want to be a part of that. That's worship. Oh, did I mention it's not just money. It's time also what I can do, different things that I can do, uh, using my time. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a very simple thing of, of, of seeing someone that needs help and trying to help them. Interesting, I saw a thing, maybe you saw too, the other night on uh, one of the uh, news shows, 
of uh, what, how people were treated. Actually, it was in, I think, London, New Jersey. It was somewhere close by where they did a little hidden camera thing, and they had some people who, were, who couldn't speak uh, English very well. They were Hispanic people, and, and, uh, and they put an actor behind the counter of this deli, and, and he acted, get out of here, you can't speak our language. And he was doing that to see what people would do, what other customers would do, and whether they would come to their aid. It's really interesting, really interesting thing in, in, in human dynamics and so forth. And uh, you know, and some people, yeah, yeah, they need to get out. They can't speak our language. And there were other people who, who I don't know why they would do it. I think it was Linden, New Jersey, or uh, somewhere near there. And I was just, like, and it was on like twenty twenty or one of those stories. Anyway, it was interesting to watch how people would, you know, the, from this camera. Of course, you're kind of. You're kind of exposed to the world there if you didn't know. All I could think about was, gee, if that was me, what would I do? And what would people from Renaissance Church see, you know? And hopefully I would, I would be, hey, let me, you know, there were many people, actually more than half, who would say, well, hey, what do, what do you want? And they'd find out what they want, and they would try to help them out. There's something simple as helping somebody out. Some simple little way, you know? I, I, you know, I can see how, how, what Jesus would do in that situation. You know, the whole thing about this whole thing of, of, of worship is for Sunday or worship is for church is it just leaves out one huge key component that God desires. And I'll show you that. I'm going to show you that in a verse from the Old Testament. One of my favorite. I know, I say that all the time. They're all my favorite verses. It's one of my favorite verses. It really is one of my favorite verses. Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, God is looking for a few good hearts. That's what it is. That's all. I love the imagery that this verse conjures up in my own mind. Because I can just see God sort of, sort of, you know, figurative speaking, just in heaven, kind of looking like this, looking around, because he can see hearts. Oh, there's one. There's one. Oh, there's one. Oh, there's one. Oh, I want to help him. I want to help her. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Indirectly, this was a reference to, 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 to David, who was far from perfect, very flawed, King David. But he still had a desire, a heart, a desire to honor God with his life like no one else, even though he fell short on numerous occasions. So, you, you, you know, you can't, you can't do with that. Just love that verse. That's what leaves out the whole thing when you say worship. That's the real toxicity of that whole thing. That Sunday is for worship or, or you worship a church or however, whatever, however you want to put that thing. That's, the whole, that's where it gets all disjointed and disconnected and you lose everything. All right, so very quickly, what, what, what does a church have to do with worship? Now you sit here and you're itching, you talk about this stuff and you, you would think that you don't really believe in church and I know you do and I do. And I, you, know, I, you know, I love church and I, I, I get depressed on Saturday nights when we have weather like we had last night and thinking nobody's going to come to church, it's all going to have so much snow. And you know, when I pray and I, God, don't let it snow, don't let it snow. And it, and it worked last night, it worked. It did, not, not, not much. I mean, it doesn't always work, but it did last night. But, um, so I, I believe in this thing, church. I really do, obviously. I've, I've spent a few years doing this. Um, and and, and so, so what does church, what does that have to do with worship? Well, hopefully it will create an environment that will be conducive to worship. To start with, is that going to be the one hour a week type of thing? Well, it's a good start. Or, or is it going to be, you know, does it need to be three and a half hours 
a, 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 a week. Yeah, you know, somebody, somebody here actually, and, and this has been coming here with some at a church that they used to go to and their services, no kidding, were like three and a half hours long. Yeah. So, did you do that? Yeah. 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 Was it you tell me that? Okay. Um, God bless you. Um, I'm resigning to ministry if that happens here. Let me just tell you. That's the, I'm not a three-and-a-half-hour guy, whether I'm, whether I'm here or there. I'm three-and-a-half hours, let me tell you. Hey, listen, I'm not criticizing that. That's fine. That, that's fine. For, for, for that, that's personal style. It's personal choice, personal preference. God bless them. I, I mean that, seriously. Whether, is it three hours? Is it one hour? I don't know. But whatever, you know, you, you, figure, you try to figure that out best for your particular culture and where you live and so forth. But here's the key. Hopefully you will create an environment. That will, that will stimulate people to understand what worship is. Yeah, we come here to worship, but we just start. And, this, and, and, we, and it stimulates what goes out from here and, and the rest of the week. Because worship isn't just about coming to church on Sunday. Um, hopefully it'll inspire that. Hopefully it'll be a, a church will be a conduit for that. That's what we try to do. To be a conduit for that, for worship. and To, to inspire that from not just here, but from the rest of the week. Um, and hopefully it will teach and it will model that whole issue, that whole concept of what it means to worship God. And it's not just a Sunday thing, and it's not just a church thing. Most importantly, I think uh, the church needs to teach the true, biblical, Christ-centered worship and what it really is. So let me read that one more time, just to get you to think about it. Back to the message, back to Romans chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Now watch this, just, just expand it. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're ra- walking around life. You're watching the Giants life. You're, 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 I'm serious, watching football. You're playing golf, you're playing tennis, whatever it is you do. That's what he's saying when he says you're walking around life. Just your life. Your whole life, you know, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. It's how we live our lives, not just on Sunday, but 24-7. And when we fail, we thank him for his forgiveness. We thank him for the price that Jesus paid to make that possible with his, his death his burial, and his resurrection. And we thank him for that in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your love and for your grace in all of our lives. And I pray as we leave here today, we would think about what, what real worship really is. And that we would, and we're not perfect in God, you know we're not perfect, but we would seek to make that a, as a part of our life. That worshiping you is, 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 how, is how, our, how we live our everyday lives, our walking around life. We thank you for that. We thank you for the love that Jesus has for us, that he came and suffered and died and was buried and rose again and now gives us abundant and eternal life. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.